G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Turning our attention to a different sort of a conversation today, you might know that the people you have related most closely to, those who have had special bonds with you, are often those who've been through the hardest times, the ones who've prepared for the battles and stood side by side with you. And we might reflect on soldiers who served together in the trenches, the special camaraderie that comes with facing an enemy head on together. Well, Bill Muhlenberg from Culture Watch has been writing this week about a story of some women who were a part of the French resistance to the Nazis back in World War II and tying that into some spiritual lessons. Bill Muhlenberg, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be with you again. Bill, there is something special, isn't there, about the camaraderie we develop between one another when we know we're in the heat of the battle together. Yeah, well, absolutely. Uh, you know, when you're in the trenches, when you're going through uh, hard times and there's others with you, you've got a kind of a special bond with them that you don't tend to have with other people. So, yeah, my piece on, well, it's half and half, half history on the French resistance, half spiritual lessons, but uh, if people are not too aware of the resistance of the Second World War, well, they might be aware of what I actually started my piece with. Uh, many would have read the book or seen the film, the trilogy, uh, Lord of the Rings, and I remind those who've seen it or read it that at the end of it all, after this huge, amazing journey, uh, the hobbits are back in the Shire, their home. Uh, in fact, they're sitting in a pub at a table drinking a beer together and, of course, surrounded by all these other hobbits. But uh, there's something about the four that came back. They have such a bond, such a closeness, closeness that they know, you know, all the other hobbits, even if you tell them the stories, they just never will fully understand what you've been through. They'll never be able to share uh, things with you as close as those other three comrades that you had as you uh, did this whole battle to destroy the ring. So again, if you know Tolkien's story, you know exactly where I'm coming from. If not, we can go back to the uh, resistance fighters, but the same thing, uh, civilians, ordinary men and women who knew they had to stop the Nazi occupation of France. They had to do what they could to resist the enemy. And uh, a lot of books have been written on it. And I quote from one of the books in which uh, quite a few uh, women were captured by the Gestapo and eventually sent to Auschwitz. And uh, the small number who finally made it back when the war ended, well, that's kind of the, the setting for my article. A special bond between those women and a little bit reminiscent, I suspect, a 
around the thought of you know our grandparents or our great grandparents uh, who fought side by side in World War Two and the camaraderie that there exists that you see on display on an Anzac Day at a march where everyone has their shoulders back and they're so proud mm. to walk mm. alongside their mates. And uh, so the book that you're reading, Bill, A Train in Winter by Caroline Moorhead, the story of 230 women. Yeah, it's well, she's written a number, actually, of books on the French resistance. And as I say, there's quite a few. Well, there'd be, what, tens of thousands of books on the Second World War, but probably hundreds of books on the various resistance fighters. Uh, French ones are especially noted, but they're, you know, being in Holland and other countries as well. Well, even within Germany itself, right? Uh, Sophie and Hans Scholl, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. But yeah, this one particular book I pulled off my shelves. It's a, uh, it's well, it's quite a read. I mean, as you can imagine, when you're talking about life, eventually in a concentration camp, it's not light reading. It's not pleasant reading, and what they went through, the horror. Uh, you know, it's just, well, we, we often don't even want to think about such things, but, uh, well, those who are forgetting about history, as they say, are doomed to repeat it. So I love history. I love so many of the lessons we get from the Second World War. So, yeah, Moorhead talks about these 230 women all captured, all sent off to concentration camps and interesting bit is the end of the book where she talks about the 49 who made it back alive, right? So that's what, a fifth of those taken, only a fifth came back and survived and just the few quotes from that book that I put in my article just, uh, you know, a number of things one, how they felt so very close, of course, to one another, but felt in many ways distant from everybody else who, uh, you know, had been back home and never had to go through what they went through. Um, and just the, you know, the jarring reality of, well, this really isn't my home. I mean, sure, I love being able to have food again and clothing and warmth in my own home. But after what they went through, it's like, uh, you know, things will never be the same. And people who didn't go through this will never fully understand what we did go through and understand why we now feel, you know, kind of like a square peg in a round hole or whatever. It's uh, those who've gone through things like this are just never the same. And uh, again, I tie that in with the idea of the Christian life as a spiritual battle. Sometimes, Bill, Christians are not used to the idea that there will be hardships. Uh, the thought of taking up your cross to follow Jesus doesn't for everyone say the cross means certain torture and death you've written mm -hmm. about these women 49 made it back alive out of the 230 and they'd been through the horrors of a concentration camp even torture uh, but they came out on the other side and people didn't want to talk about their experience uh, mm. The sort of thing that goes with the bond between people who are on the front line in the battle. You said you were reflecting on some spiritual things and how that relates to the Christian believer today, because even some will be thinking, what battle are you talking about that we're facing? Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's hard not to read the Bible, certainly the New Testament, and see all the military metaphors, all the 
wartime kind of language constantly being used. We are in the battle. It's certainly a spiritual battle. That's There's no question at all. Satan is alive and well trying to undo everything God is doing and his people are doing. So we're told to put on the whole armor of God. You know, we're told to fight the good fight. So really, the New Testament is full of uh, language, of warfare, of battles, of fighting. Of course, it's primarily spiritual, but, it, you know, it, it's not up in the clouds. It comes down to planet Earth. So we see it in the culture wars. We see it in politics, in society, how these spiritual battles are manifest all around us. So it could be the, the abortion wars or the war on marriage and family. That's all just part of the spiritual war. And uh, even though we don't want to be uh, come across as you know aloof or elitist, uh, I think it's true for me and most of your listeners that often the people you feel most at one with, fellow Christians, are those who've kind of been through similar battles, who've fought in similar sorts of wars. You just feel a closeness to them that you're kind of average, uh, maybe laid-back Christian, uh, you, you know, you just don't feel quite as close to them, quite as much of a camaraderie. So again, I'm taking these lessons from real life, uh, warfare, and applying it to the spiritual realm. A lot of people don't want to talk about the very things you said. Take up your cross, follow me, deny yourself, uh, put to death the things of the flesh, right? All these hardcore truths of the Christian life, well, a lot of Christians are not really keen on either doing it or talking about it, and so you tend to gravitate toward those who are aware of these truths and you you know you tend to have more fellowship and deeper fellowship with other Christians who seem to be much more aware of these basic spiritual realities you seem to polarize Christians here bill those who recognize that there is a battle to be fought the idea of rolling up your sleeves, becoming involved in the resistance. And those who might be thinking, I might be safer not joining the resistance. But it seems to me, Bill, there are more and more battlefronts opening up all the time, whether it's around our schools, uh, the Mm -hmm. battlefronts on the lines of alcohol and drug abuse and addictions and the way that the laws are changing to make those things much more available to a wider community and therefore all sorts of damage that's ready to be done. Domestic violence, you mentioned abortion, mm-hmm. euthanasia, the battlefronts, there's no lack of them. There's just a perhaps a lack of those who are in the resistance. Mm, well, absolutely right. In fact, we could also speak briefly to another piece I just wrote as well this week on, you know, the need to get involved. Uh, so many people have so many excuses why they don't want to get involved in the various battles, the culture wars and the like. But, uh, well, it just doesn't cut it when you're in a time of war trying to sit on the fence just, you know, well, it can't be done. In fact, if you try, what you're really doing is you're siding with the enemy. If you're not actively opposing those who are doing that which is so destructive of our very faith, well, you're effectively saying I'm kind of on the enemy's side here. Uh, again, books and films like the, the Lord of the Rings always made this so clear, right? There are many who started off good and strong, but some actually ended up siding with the enemy. That happens. People 
betray the cause. People, for whatever reason, end up abandoning the quest. So in real life, you know, there's some soldiers who ended up betraying their side. Well, there are plenty of collaborators, right, in France with the Nazis, uh, the whole idea of Vichy France and the whole bit of those who were quite happy to go along with the Nazi occupation. So there ended up being... Uh, war crimes trials at the end of the war, not just of the Nazis, but many of these collaborators. So you can find the same spiritual reality here. A lot of Christians who should be uh, aware of what's going on, engaged in the battle, too many are effectively, well, almost really siding with the enemy because they're not aware or they don't care about the important battles of the day. And, uh, well, they're not helping in that sense. They're giving aid and comfort to the enemy, really, by trying to sit this one out. So a lot of truths we can pick up from uh, real uh, situations that happen all around us. As Christians, we're aware of that biblical foundation. We're in the world, but not of the world. And I note in your article, you quote A.W. Tozer saying, Men think of the world not as a battleground, but as a playground. We're not here to fight. We're here to frolic. We're not in a foreign land. We're at home. The thought, Bill, that if our life were a ship, we'd be a cruise ship, not a battleship. The sorts of things that we need to perhaps grapple with and identify with being on the Lord's side, and it's not an easy battle to be involved in. Your encouragement, Bill, for those who have been seeing themselves at home or frolicking in the playground, not in the battleground, what are your thoughts for that person who might be thinking, time that I rolled my sleeves up too? Well, it is time for all of us. Uh, We have to wake out of our slumber. Too many of us have been allowed to kind of be asleep at the wheel, to think everything's just fine, when in reality, everything is not fine. I mean, every day, what, hundreds of thousands of people are dying. Uh, How many of them are heading to a lost eternity? Do we care about them, for example? Have we shared the gospel with our neighbors? Let me, by the way, just give you a very practical thing here. Uh, Some people say, oh, I'm not an evangelist or I'm not good at talking about my faith. Well, we've got to start somewhere. I uh, tend to, well, every day I I take the dogs for a walk, right? So I walk past all my neighbors into a, a park nearby. So every single time I'm walking the dogs, guess what? I also pray for every single neighbor whose house I pass by. Uh, you know, whether I'll get a chance to talk to them about the gospel or whether my prayers are linking a chain for somebody else to uh, talk. But already I've had some people come up. One uh, family, sadly, maybe because of COVID and all the rest, the lockdowns, he committed suicide. So one of the gals that went through this, she asked, I saw, uh, you know, she, she saw me as I was walking the dog. She says, oh, where do you go to church? She was looking maybe to find a, a church to deal with all she's going through. And then another uh, family I walked by with the dogs, they said, oh, the husband is going through cancer just like me. So I said, oh, look, I, well, I know all about it with my wife. I'll keep you in my prayers. So these were just little You know, little openings of the gospel to say, I'm concerned about you, I'm praying for you. 
So I probably won't get to share with every neighbor that I walk by, but some already were having conversations, and that's, you know, that's what's going on here. People are headed to a lost eternity. It's good to have relaxation, pleasure, fun, enjoy friends and food, but why are we here? Why have we been put on this earth? It's not just to look after ourselves, it's to be light and salt to a very dark and needy world. So that will that will bring you into conflict, that will bring you into battle. The forces of darkness sure won't like it if you start praying for your neighbors, talking to your neighbors. So just start speaking out for Christ and the kingdom and you will very quickly find out this is indeed a spiritual war. A spiritual battle to be fought. And as we'll often say, Bill, it's not a matter of taking up guns and ammunition, Mm. but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And those prayers that you pray on your walk, those prayers that you pray when you're in your church prayer meeting, the prayers that you pray when you're in your daily devotional time are very, very powerful. Let me point listeners to how they can connect with this latest article you've been talking about today, We Will Never Be the Same. You'll be able to find it at com, or simply Google Culture Watch one word. Bill, thanks so much for your update today on 2020. Always a pleasure, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.